There are many judgments in the Bible. Some are of lesser. Some are of greater importance for us today. Um, There are judgments that fall on individuals, groups, families, churches, and on nations. But there are seven that are more significant. And uh, they're in a class all by themselves. This is the seventh of this big seven, the great white throne judgment. If you can learn to see the difference between these seven judgments, then it'll help you to be grounded in the Word of God and to rightly divide it. So that's why I've been giving the subjects the time, the place, the basis, and the results for the judgments. And uh, these judgments are different in, in all of these aspects. So tonight's the great white throne judgment And we'll begin reading verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So you see that there, the great white throne. The reason why we come up with that title, the great white throne judgment, is because we've classified these seven judgments. So we had the judgment on sin at Calvary. The daily self-judgment of the believer. The judgment seat of Christ. The judgment of the nations. We studied those. And so we we call each one of these judgments. And so now we get here and we call this the great white throne judgment. And him that sat on it. Who's that? That is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Daniel calls him the Ancient of Days. And he looks different. He has white hair. His eyes are aflame. His, his throne, we'll read uh, Daniel's description. His throne is aflame. It says it has wheels underneath it. We don't know what that means. <laughs> that Ezekiel prophecy, the first chapter of Ezekiel, first couple of chapters, we don't know what those wheels, the wheel inside of a wheel is. If you know, tell me, okay, because I, I don't know. But um, this appearance of Jesus, throne is frightening. It is frightening. And he's wearing all white. So if you have all white hair, you can uh, know that you're probably more holy than the rest of us, you know, because I think that's what that signifies. I think his white hair signifies purity, that he's the ancient of days. Um, my grandpa Scott on my mom's side, he was the guy that I told you was a coal miner and a bad drunk and just would drink anything. He would drink uh, hair tonic, he would drink mouthwash, anything he could get his hands on, something called pink Pinkerton or something like that. But anyways, he was really, really bad, and he was saved by the grace of God and changed as an older man. And my mom knew him before that, and he was not a really nice man at home, very strict, very stern and severe with the children. But after he got saved, he was just the most loving man and he wrote his own little gospel track on just pieces of paper and he would pass these things out all over the place would just love the Lord and uh, was just saved wonderfully and after that my dad my dad wanted to be like him he he was the most godly man that he knew of but everybody said he had the the prettiest white thick hair Um, so he he had that kind of hair that's what Jesus has here and um, it says that the earth And the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. So we see the setting is very different. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So there's books there. And everybody that's in the book of life, they make it past the judgment. If your name's not in the book of life, you don't make it. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. So the earth right now, the Bible says that, that hell is down. So right now the Bible says there is, I guess I should draw it like this. There is a compartment in there somewhere. And there's a great gulf fixed between hell, the place of the wicked dead, and then over here was angelism, paradise. Oh, paradise, S or C? Okay. Yeah, Sheol, for it. And Jesus came down here captive. It's the Old Testament. They're now in heaven now. And up to the stage the and then the millennial kingdom it says that that hell is actually yawning and expanding I'm telling you what it says it's expanding the place uh, where God prepared this for the devil and the angels he never prepared who say that uh, they teach the heresy of double predestination, that some people are predestined to go to heaven, others are predestined. By default, that's the conclusion that they have to come to, predestined for hell, and they were predestined from before the foundation of the world, before God ever said a word on the first day of creation, you know, and created everything, you know, in that six-week creation week. They say that there were people who predestined for hell, and that's a heresy. That's not biblical at all. God said he prepared hell for the devil and his angels. That's where they were. So, this yawning, it's expanding to take in more lost souls. And, um, it says in verse 13 that the sea gave up the dead which were in it. So, what that's talking about, that's talking about the bodies. Let's suppose like a man in World War II died at sea, or maybe the, the, the ship was hit and the ship sunk, these bodies sunk. Uh, just gives up the death, you know? Death and hell. Souls. And they are given some kind of a glorified, not a glorified body, but some kind of a body in order to suffer in. The lake of fire is not here for eternity. This is hell. The hell and the lake of fire are two different things. But they're given bodies that are eternal bodies uh, to suffer in. And we don't know exactly what those are like, but um, 
that's a different study altogether. But So the sea gives up the dead, death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to his works. So here's another thing, and I'll probably say these things over and over again tonight, but repetition is what? The, the mother of learning, right? I think that's a Russian proverb. This is a resurrection, okay? So there's books. Um, earth is gone. And then there's a resurrection. So this makes it very different from what we studied the last time, the judgment of the nations. And so there's a resurrection. The dead are judged. That's different than the judgment of the nations. Verse 14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So there's one death, right? The first death would be the death of the body. When that, that soldier that died in World War II, he didn't get to go to heaven just because he fought in what some consider to be a just war. Um, now, his soul departed to hell. His body and his brains were eaten by a shark or whatever happened. And um, his soul was brought up. His first death happened in World War II aboard a, a vessel. His second death will occur at the, judgment, at the great white throne judgment when his, his new body that he has that houses his soul is cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death, the death of the soul. And uh, not a happy subject to talk about tonight, is it? But it's the reality. This is the reason why I got saved. So I'm thankful for this truth. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. All right. So looking at some of these aspects, before I fill these in, I, I think if I, if I wait, I will, uh, it'll be... I, just, I guess I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away up front. So the, the certain things that I can fill in, like the time. The timing for this judgment is after the millennium. So I'm going to say after millennium. The place, we saw that before the great white throne, the earth and heaven are passed away, so it's, it's, it's just before God's throne. Apparently, I mean, maybe you're standing there on a glassy sea, like the Bible talks about, but apparently you're just looking down and there's nothing. But there's throngs of people uh, there before him. So the place, just say, before, uh, before the throne. Before the throne. Because at this point, the, heaven, the heavens are passed away and the earth is passed away. What's that? Okay, yeah. Before the throne, before the judgment seat, either one. That's, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. And then uh, the basis of the judgment, I'll wait for that. Um, and the results, I'll wait for that. So we'll, we'll go with that so far. All right, everybody with me? Any questions as we get started? I'm going to try to stop to do questions. Um, Okay, because like what I wish this was like out here is I wish it was like the men's Bible study on Tuesday. We have a lot of fun together. We're just sitting around the table and we're just all talking and you feel you feel like you feel free to talk, I guess. It just it's just good. I wish we could take that and kind of make that like this out here. But um, but it's not exactly the same. So. uh, All right. So you'll just listen to me talk more. So. (laughs) 
Listen to these differences as we get started. I kind of said some of this. But at the judgment seat of Christ, remember that's where the believer's works are judged, there are no books. But there's books here at the great white throne judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, that's when we're raptured from this earth and we're judged during the tribulation period. That's what we're doing in heaven during the tribulation. We're being judged for our works. Uh, There's no unsaved dead at the judgment seat of Christ, but there are here. At the judgment seat of Christ, we're judged before Christ's reign on earth. So, I'll I'll use a timeline tonight some. If we put the timeline here, let's just put the 1,000 year reign. Let's put the tribulation right there, and then 1,000 years right here. Seven years here for that 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Seven years right there. Um, we're caught up right here, raptured to be with the Lord, and then we're up here at the judgment seat of Christ. And then we come back with the Lord at the second advent. So, this takes place before the millennial reign of Christ. If we, I like to draw the crown to represent that. And the great white throne judgment takes place here. There's some more detail we're going to fill in before we stop with our study on this. But this is the great white throne judgment. So they take place at two different times in the prophecies. Um, At the judgment seat of Christ, nobody goes into the lake of fire. But at the white throne judgment, people go into the lake of fire. This one... We'll look at some distinctions between that. That was uh, Matthew 24 that we looked at. And that took place on the earth, right? Remember that? That took place on the earth. I'm just going to check Matthew to make sure that that's the right chapter. That was, no, Matthew 25. Matthew 25. So here's some differences between the judgment of the nations and the great white throne judgment. The judgment of the nations, uh, six points here. No resurrection. This was no resurrection. It's people coming out of the tribulation. So they lived through the tribulation. Living nations are judged. Okay, so at the great white throne judgment, there is a resurrection and dead people are judged. At the judgment of the nations, it's on earth, great white throne in heaven, and earth is gone. Number four, judgment of the nations, no books. Here, up there, there are books. Classes were named, right? The sheep, the goat, and the Jewish people. Here, one class was named in Revelation chapter 20. 
But I'm going to show you tonight that there's more than just one class that's judged there. But there's different classes. Okay, finally, the timing, as I've already said, before the millennium, this one is after. Okay, so things that are different are not the same. That's Bible study. That's real Bible study. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth means getting things where they belong. Making right divisions. It does not mean, this is what modern day scholarship is saying, and they're, they're wrong. They're just, they're just wrong. They want to get rid of this kind of Bible teaching in a lot of seminaries over this country. And you say, well, maybe they're right. Okay, let me ask you this then. When you talk to some of these guys who graduated from these seminaries, Southern Baptist Seminary, uh, and any one of them, Luther Rice Seminary, um, Princeton, that's just completely shot, you know. But when you talk to them and you say, is there a good seminary that I can send a preacher boy from my church to? And they would all say, eh, not really. Because they know what it's like when you get in there, when you get behind the doors. When they close the doors in those seminary classrooms, they start, they, a, a young man will come into the seminary with this, and they will take this away from him in the seminary. Tell him, there's all kinds of problems in there. We, we don't know what the Word of God is. So one preacher said, they'll take your sword away and give you a banana or give you a butter knife. That's what happens in seminaries. And uh, all of the corruption within Christianity has come from schools, from seminaries. Have you ever noticed, do you ever read the Bible and notice that there are no seminaries in the Bible? How do you think Timothy and Titus got their training? Wasn't that a seminary? There are no schools in the Bible, not for Christians. And so that's why they started Bible Institutes. That's where that whole Bible Institute movement came from, by the way, because seminaries were shot. They were shot. So they went to Bible Institutes. So they will tell you today that rightly dividing the truth means I, as a preacher, need to learn how to preach to everybody that's in my congregation. Got to rightly divide it. Some people need milk. Some people need meat. Some people are different life stages. You know, you got your teenagers. You got your uh, young singles. You got your young families with young kids. You have your, you know, your empty nesters. And I got to rightly divide. No, that's not it at all. Rightly dividing the word of truth means see the differences in the judgments. That will help you to keep your Bible straight, to keep things in the right place. All right? So let's look at Daniel real quick. Daniel gives a description of the great white throne judgment. He is the fifth of the major prophets. If you just open up your Bible in the middle, you can probably, uh, you'll probably be in the Psalms or Isaiah or Jeremiah or something. And then go to the right and you'll hit Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And verse 9. So, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. These are... Verse 9 and verse 10, these uh, refer to, well, verse 9, 10, and 11, refer to the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20. So in verse 9, I'll begin reading there in just a moment. But I want you to see that there's 
two classes of people in verses uh, 9 and 10. There are two classes of people here. So there's not just one class that's going to be at the great white throne judgment. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. All right? The thrones are cast down. So this means that Jesus has whooped up on the nations and the kingdoms of men. The times of the Gentiles are done. Um, Let me stop there for just a second. So when I said two classes, um, that what I'm talking about is that there's not just the wicked dead at the great white throne judgment. That has been the teaching of most of dispensational teachers, um, and it's it's not it's not all the truth. Uh, I don't take that position at all, and I'll, I'll show you why. So if you study Clarence Larkin, or if you study Charles Ryrie, uh, if you studied Israel, My Glory, that magazine there they would say that at the great white throne judgment, everybody there is the unsaved dead, the wicked dead of all time, and they're the only ones at that judgment, and everybody at the great white throne judgment goes to the lake of fire. That's not, it's not accurate. There are more than just the wicked dead that are there. So that's what I want to say. There's more than just one class. And then also, I want to say that this is, this is, this is after Jesus reigns on earth. So see, it says the thrones were cast down. That's the Gentile world powers, the kingdoms or the nations as we know them. And the Ancient of Days, that's Jesus, capital A, did sit. Now he's sitting for judgment. Whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. You see? His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. This would be terrifying to stand before Jesus when he sits down to judge. Terrifying. That's why people are not going to be standing there and I'm, I'm finally going to be able to give him a piece of my mind. I don't think so. Mm-mm. You're going to be scared stiff and you're going to be silent. <laughs> you're not going to be talking. The whole purpose of the judgment is so that Jesus can show those that are going into the lake of fire that they deserve it, that they're worthy of it. The secrets of men will be judged on this day. Think of that. I sometimes, right now I realize, Google is listening to me. I put myself on Facebook, so they're listening to me. They have a record of everything I'm saying. And I think about that. Sometimes um, I've been talking, like just the other day, talking about different kind of lacquers and different things to do with these doors. And I know this is a rabbit trail, but I promise I'll bring it back. And uh, so we got that ready for a second coat. And we're talking about different things, sanding paper. You know what I see on my phone and what comes to me in my emails today as I check my emails? Advertisements about different kind of lacquer, sanding stuff. It's, it's, they're listening. They know a lot. There's a lot of information that we just give to them. They have way more information than what they should have on people in America. And they say that they're using it for marketing. And I think there's more to it. I think the Antichrist is going to use all this information. It's scary, isn't it? But I'll tell you what else is is more scary. God knows the secrets of men's hearts. He knows their thoughts. Jesus demonstrated that over and over again. He just looked at a crowd of people and he knew all their thoughts. Amazing. He knew whether they were sincere or not. So these people coming before God are going to be convinced by God that they are worthy of judgment. Yes. He's going to show, he's going to open his 
Yeah. And evidently, those books are our lives, yeah, the lives, the lives of people. Yeah. Yeah. And how? How? Now, if they if they got enough firepower to use against me, the the media of this world, uh, God's going to have a lot of firepower to use against people to show them. They're going. He's going to convince them. And by the time that they get done being judged, they're going to say to God, I hate you. I, this is why I wanted nothing to do with you. When they go into the fire, they're going to go into the fire spouting off obscenities. I, like I was talking about that street preacher that I like to listen to. And he was uh, Alan. Uh, um, oh, no, I forgot his name. But he's a preacher in Scotland. He's just out preaching. Over there in Europe, people still walk down the streets and go into storefronts like they used to do here in America, but they do that there now. And so he's got tourists all around him, hundreds of people. He's preaching the gospel, just preaching the Bible, just talking about creation. And he's wearing the colic, the cleric, uh, the cleric collar. And a guy walks up to him and just cusses him out, says things that, they used, that I used to hear in the army, you know, cusses him up one side, down the other. People hate God, and they hate this book. But they can be saved. They can be saved. Don't, don't doubt that. But you see, he, he's going to judge, and it is going to be a serious situation. Uh, notice in verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. You say, who's that? Who's that? That's us. That's Christians ministering to him during this judgment. We'll, we'll look at that in 1 Corinthians 6. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Who's that? Those are the people being judged. Those are the accused. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. You see it? And, I, and look in verse 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. When did that happen? The beast being destroyed. That happened at the end of the tribulation. Okay? So that happened here, right? And Satan was cast out and put into the abyss or the harmless pit. For a thousand years, right? So Satan bound is how it's described. And then after a thousand years, Satan is loosed. So loosed. And he's loosed the nations. And there will be a great company of men and of armies who <laughs> attack Israel again where Jesus is, and attack his people, attack the saints. And they come against him. This is the... Apparently that happened, but we'll see about that. But the battle of... You have... A perfect 
world peace, a perfect ruler, right? Um, you have the Son of God himself ruling this world, and you have a renewed earth. The environment is perfect. The curse is gone. And you have all of that for a thousand years, and man proves, just like every dispensation, the, the millennium is no different, man fails at the end. Man is tested, and then he fails and rebels against his creator. Every dispensation is like that. Every one. Garden of Eden, uh, conscience, uh, destruction with Noah's flood, human government being installed. Always a failure. Church age, failure. It will end in a failure and apostasy and man rejecting against his God. Same thing with the millennium. When that happens, the devil is released to go up and to deceive the nations. Isn't that interesting? That's how God uses him. And so what God will have at the end of this thousand years is he'll have a group of people here that are saints that make it through the millennial kingdom that do not rebel against him and willingly choose to love and to serve the Lord. And so you'll have groups of people, the millennium, that willingly choose to love and serve the Lord. Tribulation, people there that willingly choose to love and serve the Lord. Church age, people who do the same prior to the cross in the Old Testament. People who willingly choose to love the Lord and serve Him. All of those will be gathered to the Lord. And uh, they're all different groups. And then you'll have those who rebel against their Creator and reject Him. Alright? Does that make sense so far? Yes. If you look at the world now, it looks like He's already releasing. Uh, yeah, and the, yeah, and the devil is, uh, what does it say? He's going to and fro throughout the world. And he's as a roaring lion. He is. The devil is on the loose now. But he'll be bound, and he won't be doing what he's doing right now. And it, that just goes to show you, folks, that we have a depraved nature. We will turn against God. All those people were ready to turn against God, but the devil stirs them up to action and deceives them. But of their own hearts, you know, their own corrupt nature. If it weren't for the grace of God, none of us would be sitting here. That's why I say that, you know. So, but did you notice here with this judgment, it's... it's uh, just like the great white throne judgment that we read about in Revelation 20, the description's the same. But there's two classes of people. One group is the, the accused class. That's that, uh, that great group of people in verse 10 that are, that are uh, standing before him. There are the accused. That is, the, the devil is the accuser. Just like he accused Job, he's accusing everybody. He's a slanderer. And so they're the ones that are going to be at this judgment, and they are accused. The other group is the group ministering unto him. And that, as we're going to see, is saved Christians. In verse 10, thousand thousands ministering unto him. There's going to be a whole lot of Christians at the great white throne judgment. A whole lot of Christians that get saved. Uh, people think that there's just going to be a small amount of people. No, there's not. There's going to be a lot of Christians saved. I, I think the greater majority of the world will be damned, but there's going to be a lot of people like you and me up there in heaven. All right, we're going to have to stop there. Like I said, it's a two-parter, but I want you to just, let's, let's actually, let's stop in 1 Corinthians 6. Just go there real quick. We'll spend just a minute there. I want you to see it where it says that we're going to judge the world. Somebody says, judge not that you be not judged. And, uh, that's talking about hypocritical judgment, unkind judgment. 
But we're going to, yeah, we are fruit inspectors. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits, right? Um, So we're fruit inspectors. And we will judge the world. Make no mistake about it. We'll be there ministering to Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And not just the world, we'll, we'll judge angels. So 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Dare any of you, I know we've gone here before, but again, repetition. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Why would Paul say that? This world of unjust people, don't don't go before them because one day you're going to see them all again and you're going to be the one judging them. So he said, handle it at church. It's a church matter. So verse 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? That's the same word translated nations, translated Gentiles. That's the same group. Shall judge the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? You see, the world will be judged by you. And then verse 3, know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now here, let me give you a, a, just give you a, a wild idea and let you go with this. Just to, I can't show you all the scripture. But we're going to replace the sons of God that fell. The one-third of the angels that fell. I believe we will replace them. I believe that's the purpose for the church age saints. Um, Paul says, don't you know that you're already the sons of God? And John says that uh, uh, if we believe on his name, John chapter 1 verse 12, that he'll give us the power to become the sons of God. That believers, we become the sons of God. Angels are called the sons of God. So I think there'll be enough Christians to fill that one-third of the angels that fell, the fallen angels. Yeah. And Jesus is a son of God, right? So, and the Bible says we'll be as the angels. It actually says we'll be like the angels. So I think there's something there to that. Um, so we will have a very exalted position in heaven with this whole thing. We'll stop there. So next time when we come back together, we'll look at the subject and the basis and the results. We'll have to wait for that. Um, for next time. But again, the next time anybody tries to tell you that there's just one final general judgment and they, you know, the Muslims believe that, the Jews believe that, and the Christians believe that. Uh, but the next time that they teach you that, you, you could say, you know, you got some of the truth, but you don't have all the truth. You know, and there's more than one judgment. Again, because if you're saved, there's different crowns. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it looks like there's different degrees of suffering depending on what they do. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and pray just briefly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, this is the meat of the word. And, uh, and Lord, I'm thankful for the Wednesday night Bible study. We can dig deeper into the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you just help us to get uh, what we can. I know that everybody tonight can get something from what was studied. And Lord, um, I pray that you'd help us to be good Bereans and to go home and to study these things to see whether or not they're so.
And um, Lord, uh, we thank you for the Word of God, and it is so it's sufficient for everything that we need. And Lord, um, help us not to be know-it-alls and not to be puffed up with knowledge, but just to stand on the Word of God in a day when so many are just falling. So I pray for the grace to stand in Jesus' name. Amen.